The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 16th chapter. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who Welcome had a manager, to the word and charges Bethlehem were brought Lutheran to him Church. that this man was swamping his Abigail Zang Hoffman. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do? Now that my master is taking the position away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If, then, you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the Gospel of the Lord. When I was in seminary, we were required to do field education in a local congregation. And sometimes the pastors who served as our supervisors and mentors came to talk with our class about a particular topic in congregational ministry. I will never forget the day that Pastor Laura Truax from LaSalle Street Church in Chicago came to talk about stewardship. She served this congregation that was in downtown Chicago. The membership of LaSalle Street Church was, my, my memory tells me, it was largely affluent. A lot of business people with means. And they also had a deep commitment to social justice. Geographically, the church was located near the Cabrini Green neighborhood, which even by that time had become notorious for all that could go wrong in large-scale public housing developments. LaSalle Street Church was committed to living their faith, not just professing it. They had many neighborhood partnerships. They had all sorts of efforts to support people living in poverty. But of all the wonderful ways that this church really put their faith into action, the thing that has stuck with me about Pastor Truax's presentation on stewardship that day is a group at the church called the 1040 Club. The 1040 Club was made up of people who covenanted to share their tax return information, literally their 1040s, with one another. The form shows everything, all their income, all their investments, all their charitable donations, all their write-offs, their deductions, it's all there. We talk in the church about stewardship being a way of life. Not just what we give in the offering plate, but what we do with all that we are and all that we have. 
Yet somehow the notion of a group of people within a church choosing to be so open and honest with one another and to commit to holding each other accountable to being good stewards of their financial resources was still really surprising to me. It's still surprising me still this day. What we do with what has been entrusted to us matters. That's what the 1040 Club at LaSalle Street Church believed. And that's my takeaway from this very confusing parable Jesus tells in today's gospel. What we do with what has been entrusted to us matters. The manager in Jesus' parable initially squandered what his master entrusted to him. We don't know exactly what that means. Maybe he was out having a good time with money that wasn't his. Maybe he was skimming some off the top. Maybe he was telling people they owed more than they did. Who knows? But he squandered the money that wasn't his, and now he's been found out. He needs to produce an accounting, some record of who owes what to his master. The manager takes this as an opportunity to ingratiate himself to those who are indebted to his master. Looking out for his future self, when he's out on the streets with no roof over his head, he slashes what they owe, hoping they remember his kindness. And somehow, instead of being condemned for this action, the master commends his decision for acting shrewdly, for showing good judgment. Like I said, it's a confusing parable, especially if we assume that it's somehow a model for how we should act. But as Pastor Delmer Chilton reminds me in his commentary on this passage, not all parables are of the go and do likewise variety. Consider Jesus' audience. He's talking to the Pharisees, whom he later calls lovers of money. What if this parable is just that? A parable, a story that Jesus tells to remind those listening that what we do with what has been entrusted to us matters. It's far easier to think in extremes. If we don't want to be lovers of money like the Pharisees, on the one hand, then we should hate it, reject it, keep our hands completely clean of it. But this parable invites us to consider a more nuanced relationship with money. Following Jesus does not mean that we get to opt out of the material world altogether. We can't just pretend that we don't need food and shelter and clothes and, yes, even money. We can't somehow accumulate just enough, whatever we imagine that might be, and then stop paying attention to material possessions. We are constantly navigating how to manage what we have, money and all the stuff of life, from what we wear to where we live to what kind of car we drive and so on. There's no pretending we just don't need any of it. The question is, what do we do with it? What place does it have in our lives? Following Jesus means using what we have to serve God and not serving what we have as though it is our God. It's all too easy to believe that money and the stuff it can buy could possibly ever be enough to secure our future. Sadly, to some extent, that is true. 
having financial resources matters. It matters for what kind of opportunities are open to us, where we can live, what kind of medical care we receive, what kind of education is available to us. But that's part of why it's so tempting to turn money into our God, as though money alone can provide whatever we need. In her commentary on this parable, retired professor of Christian ethics, Christine Pohl, writes, Jesus does not commend the manager's practices, but rather his insight into the connection between resources and relationships. In other words, what we do with what has been entrusted to us matters. It matters for our relationship with God and for our relationship with each other. In the large catechism, Martin Luther writes, Many a person thinks he has God and everything he needs when he has money and property. In them he trusts, and of them he boasts so stubbornly and securely that he cares for no one. Surely such a man also has a God, mammon by name, that is, money and possessions, on which he fixes his whole heart. It is the most common idol on earth. Money and property, in them he trusts, and of them he boasts, so stubbornly and securely, that he cares for no one. That's why we can't love God and love money. When we stop caring about others, when we stop recognizing that we are inextricably intertwined with one another, when we stop caring for anyone beyond ourselves, then we have stopped worshiping God and we've replaced God with an idol that will only disappoint. What we do with what has been entrusted to us matters. It matters to God and it matters to our fellow human beings. Because when we recognize that what we have, our money, our possessions, all the stuff of life, is in fact entrusted to us, not just given for our own consumption and benefit. It invites us to both recognize it all as a gift, to be grateful for that gift, and to ask, how can we use all of this stuff to live out our faith? How can we use what has been entrusted to us, what has been given to us, to serve God and to serve others? This is not a one-time question with a one-time answer. I imagine that's why the 1040 Club formed, to hold one another accountable to both keeping this question at the forefront and for keeping money and stuff in its rightful place as tools for the kingdom of God, not as a replacement for it. Because what we do with what has been entrusted to us matters. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for the abundance you have given us. Grant us the wisdom to be shrewd investors in relationships, in community, and in serving our neighbors. Grant us the courage to place our trust in you, not in our stuff. 
Grant us the grace to make mistakes along the way. Forgiveness for the ways that we are complicit in a world that uses stuff and forgets about the needs of others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been fed by the word this week. Don't miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And share your feedback with us at theword at blcfairport.org. And if you'd like to learn more about Bethlehem Lutheran Church or support the ministry we share, including this podcast, please visit www.blcfairport.org.